0: Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of TED Talks. I've got my good friends Dugard Properties, very posh sounding name, on the podcast today. They have sourced, ready for this, over 50 properties. yet yeah, five zero properties in I think about 13 months. That is a lot of work. Whilst they've also built a brand, you might be following them on Instagram. So we talked a lot about sourcing, not just being a sourcer, actually sourcing deals in general and we spoke about how they find investors how they find deals relationships with agents and how they manage to do all of this stuff whilst like managing to have some sort of life Um, it's a really really interesting one Um, we had a good laugh as well loads and loads of gems in this one if you are not on the waiting list for my book Drop me a DM, Instagram, Facebook, send me a pigeon, whatever. Uh, get on the waiting list. The book will be released to you probably 48 hours or so before everyone else. And and there's a chance to win some infamous yellow t-shirts. The Dugards, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the TED Talks podcast. Um, it's great to finally have you here. Like, I mean, how long have we known each other? Well, it's got to be since the beginning of both our properties journeys, isn't it?
1: So
2: I think we met you right at the beginning, June. so it would have been June last year, yeah.
0: Wow. I mean, it's amazing, I think, to look at, like, if, if we look at both of us, what we were doing back then, our views, our attitudes, our goals, um, it's changed greatly, I would think, mm-hmm. and like especially seeing you with social media as well go from not really having one to, you know... George is a celebrity on social media. Well, I'm, 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 at, I'm at a viewing. We've got lots of not weighed, lots of cracks, but this will be a great deal. I promise you a great deal. <laughs> that, that
2: it's the beginning bit. Is there hello everybody? How are we all
0: today? i <laughs> so happy and positive. I love it. Um, before we get into what you're doing, how you're doing it, and social media, which I think is a really like important thing we need to cover, um, like you know, who were the the do gods before property? What were you doing?
2: Ah, uh, the nice, easy life. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was in IT, um, pretty boring, to be honest. So yeah, account management. And you was actually plastering, when not you, before we actually jumped into <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah,
1: so I, I actually went to university and did a law degree to begin with. Realised it definitely wasn't something I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So I went off travelling. When I was travelling, I got involved in quite a bit of project management of refurbs over there, which I really enjoyed. Um, and then I got back to the UK, trying to figure out what I wanted to do. So I got into a bit of project management there, as well as actually getting hands-on and doing a lot of plastering um, and build work, really. So, so yeah, that's sort of our background before property. And what was the
0: moment, or thing, or conversation that made you say, "Hmm, let's let's look at property. Let's let's take this a bit more seriously."
2: So your dad George's dad um he's an accidental landlord but he's got properties in London and has said since day one we need to be doing the same but um yeah stereotypical buys on a mortgage not creative not BRR etc um you're the person you worked with showed you a YouTube video didn't he?
1: Yeah so um I was just one day I was it was actually doing bricklaying at this point and we were doing some bricklaying and um he literally just kept going to me you need to watch this video you need to watch this video i know you want to like you know make some of your life be successful and all this sort of thing so i he just showed me a load of rubbish quite a lot of the time so i was sort of like no 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 i'm not watching it and he, he asked me about seven times i was like right i'm actually gonna watch his video now just to shut him up mm. um so we watched this video and i was like wow i can get into property with no money, like i know you need to use a little bit of money but hardly any money like it was a video um, on rent
2: to rent wasn't it yeah
1: a video on rent to rent and sourcing Mm. and um and that was pretty much what got us into sourcing wasn't it um and then we were talking about it for ages and ages we were like watching videos networking doing all this sort of thing we never pushed the button um uh i was living on the isle of wight at the time hannah was living in wales and she just literally opened a company on company's house and said right you're moving to wales and we're doing this so, <laughs> <that was it. laughs> the
0: boss the boss had spoken and then uh, you know it must be obeyed so was it like you know did you get any training any books anything like how did you have the knowledge slash confidence to just go from plastering and it to be like okay property
2: so we did we did start attending courses but they were free courses we've never we've never paid for a course we were reading loads online but I think there's only so much you can read Um, then we hadn't really we knew we wanted to do sourcing but we started attending networking events because we knew we needed to grow the people obviously we we can't do everything we don't know everything so we knew to begin with we needed to build our team around us and that's where the networking came in and then when we started to feel comfortable with the people we had around us that's when we kind of jumped into it then wasn't it and it was a case of we just need to do it to be able to learn properly rather there's only yeah so much you can watch and read yeah I think
1: that's a good point that Hannah's made there like literally there's so many people out there that are reading all these books and you know they're they're very knowledgeable, but the real making money and the real doing well in and being successful in property is from taking action, and that's where you learn most.
0: Mm, I agree. So, you know, when you start out in property, and I guess even at any time in property, there's always a hundred and one strategies, a hundred and one mm. variations. There's so much to do. HMOs making thousand pounds a month, buy to let's doing 250, sourcing rent to rent lease option. How did you know what you wanted to do?
2: I think it was quite easy actually, because of obviously we're based in Wales and our area is South Wales. South Wales is asked, well, Wales is Article Four. So for us we knew straight away if we wanted to even be involved in HMOs, that was gonna be a massive headache, that would include licenses, that could potentially use planning permission, the figures are a lot higher because obviously they're at a premium. So we knew straight away if and obviously they even having some renting an HMO comes with a whole list of regulations. So For us, we thought, oh, we might do that, but it won't be something we're going to start off with. So that was ruled out straight away. For us, our goal is asset building. So we wanted to get into something that we would then be doing ourselves. So buy to let was a kind of a clear runner for us, wasn't it? And then the buy, refurbish, refinance. I think everyone wants to do it because it's the best way to make your money work. Yeah, you. you
1: get a very high return on your investment and it works very well, like 10 minutes away from where we live. So it was sort of like a no brainer. To, to, to go into the buy refurbish refinance and on top of that because we were sourcing we were like right where is the demand the demand is definitely in buy refurbish refinance mm-hmm. deals. so we were like right we've hit the nail on the head here let's go with that
0: and sourcing you know it's often touted as an easy um entrance into property where you don't need much money you don't need much a lot of sources not much brain um mm-hmm. you know it, it's it's kind of always oh yeah make three grand a month in a month from sourcing it's that thing um mm. and we'll get to kind of sources in, in general in a bit but like you know your experience of sourcing has it been like what people say it's like
2: my goodness now <laughs> I think <laughs> oh my god no so obviously, when we first got interested in it, when our interest was sparked just from watching YouTube videos, it's a famous old saying, isn't it? Everyone makes out things to be super easy. Everyone makes out that, oh, yeah, five grand. You make that just off one deal. That's, that's no no bother at all. But actually, finding a good deal to begin with, managing investors' expectations. You can't bank that money until the property's completed anyway. You've got to normally go through a million obstacles through conveyancing. There's so much more to it than people make out and it is so unbelievably challenging. And if you actually want to make it a business and run a good service, you're not just looking for one deal a month, you're looking for eight, ten. But then if you've got eight or ten deals, you're likely to have all the refurbs on at the same time. So it there's so I there's so much more to it, isn't there? I could go yeah, on all day. <laughs> I mean
1: I mean, the way I sort of say is like you're an investor in buy refurbished finance deals, you're gonna have your own headaches right mm. but as a source you have an even more headaches because then you've got to relay everything to clients mm-hmm. um so yeah you've got to have a lot of difficult conversations as well and you can't make the decisions straight away like that all the time because we have investors over in australia um and it gets frustrating so um so yeah um, I, I, and
2: everyone's different on how you handle something on your own refurb when you're in control of your own money is very different to how the next person may handle the same obstacle that they need to face or something going wrong so you're not and go back to you saying everyone is different so you're not necessarily working with someone who has the same mindset as you so then trying to explain that the project's been delayed because of something or something's cropped up that was unexpected so on and so forth yeah it's um I think that's the hardest bit, isn't it? It's
1: not just the refurb, though, is it? It's well, all the everything things, it's from, all from the, from the beginning. Yeah. It's absolutely everything. Um, so, for example, if we were going through with a project and something cropped up on a survey, but we know how to deal with it and we're trying to relate to the client, we know how to deal with it, but they're like, no, I'm too scared of that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, no, come on, you should be going through with it. This is a <laughs> good deal.
0: <laughs> that is, I can imagine that is incredibly frustrating because you just know... With all these surveys, as we both know, they just put, oh, God, one floorboard missing, 10 grand, wet rot, dry (laughs) rot. (laughs) I haven't seen underneath it, but I just have to say 10 grand. And You know, we
2: had that last week. We We had a surveyor go in and his report came back saying, oh, there's wet rot downstairs. The whole floor of the ground floor needs to come up. Oh, there's woodworm upstairs. The whole, all the floors need to be changed. Yeah, we went in. We went back in before we completed, and we were a bit naughty and started pulling up the carpet. Carpets. There was one floorboard downstairs. I think it was even half a floorboard right by the front wall that had a bit of wet rot. Yeah, expected front of the house, front yeah. wall, fine. And then upstairs, he'd even say it was like on his report, he'd say something like it was. Um, oak florin or something and it was pine all the other way around he so the it was, was wrong it, he with. was
1: almost saying it was like too far gone through the through the um, woodworm like and we went in bits. with our builder and i was knocking it it was absolutely solid the wood was so i was like this just needs sprayed
2: <laughs> yeah hey, um.
0: <laughs> there, there are so many difficulties with sourcing which i think a lot of people don't see because there are a lot of lazy sources which we'll get to which we'll get to but <laughs> um, do you remember the first deal you sourced yeah yes we do tell tell us about it
2: so we when we first started we genuinely thought like the getting the houses side was going to be super easy and getting the investor side was going to be solid complete other way around so we'd gone into this first networking <laughs> event and obviously we'd prepped what we was going to say like this is the first time we were going in and announcing resources that so we got there and instantly george and i got separated And I could see George being spoken to in one corner. And this is the only event we've ever been to where we've been the only sources. That's so rare. You just wouldn't come across that now. Mm. So I could see George over the other side of the room getting grilled. I was getting grilled. And I was thinking, I'm being asked questions. We haven't prepped. Are we saying the same answers? (laughs) (laughs) What's going on? And someone follows up with us after that event. We got in the car, didn't we? And thankfully, all our answers met max and then we got in the car and an investor phoned like a week later basically saying he's been trying to find houses himself to rent out for ages he's he's not had any luck can we help him which at the very beginning we wanted to say yes to everyone and everything we could find you any strategy for any budget just yeah just yes man <laughs> so we did and honestly it took us a good two three months and a lot of tears because that's when we realized it's not easy and obviously when you're first starting off, then trying to find good trades, what makes mm-hmm. a good trade, who's a good builder, who can we trust, trying to get people to quote stuff before you've even had an offer accepted and you start to uncover all these problems that you weren't expecting to begin with. Um, Yeah, it was quite challenging, wasn't it?
1: It was definitely challenging to begin with because, yeah, you learn in every single aspect so everything's delayed because you haven't done it before. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the, the first deal was certainly a hard one.
0: And, you know, I think it's like a chicken and egg question, but a lot of people say... You know, I want to be a deal sourcer. Like, do do I go get deals and hope someone buys it? And then what if the agent, like, what if I drop out and the agent's like, you're an idiot? And then, or do I get an mm-hmm. investor? And they're like, oh, where's your deals? And how do you think from your experience it's best to do it?
2: I was gonna say it is really hard balancing act I think if I was to give someone advice now who's starting off I would definitely reach out to someone that is a well-respected sourcer who's compliant who can kind of maybe take you under their wing a bit and co-source so you get the you get to go out and put offers into deals that have kind of been double checked knowing that if they get accepted you've got someone to sell them to so you don't have to break any relationships you're building with agents um and at the same time you've then got something to document to show future investors because it will very at the very beginning if you're taking on an investor first as patient as they can be investors are probably signed up to every source's mailing list they're not just speaking Mm -hmm. to you so yeah it it, it is a balancing act isn't it it's a
1: balancing act like i I definitely would say though get the investor first work bespoke that from the very beginning Mm. try and do that because you don't want to ruin relationships from agents especially on your patch um yeah that's pretty much what i would say um but what i would say is i would say like what hannah said always have a backup so always have You know, another sourcer that you Mm. built a relationship with that if you can't sell it, you don't ruin that relationship with an agent if that bespoke investor doesn't take it.
0: I think it's like when you're buying properties, right? It's like having multiple exit strategies, and you as a sourcer have multiple exits because if you can't source it yourself, maybe you you buy it yourself, maybe you pass it to X, pass it to Y, pass it to. So I think from the beginning, like it's important to have that, right? Like it's important to have multiple builders, multiple X, Y, Z to kind of fall back on. And, you know, when people are starting out in sourcing, what do you think some of their, I don't know, key, what are some of the key things that people should have set up in terms of systems and processes, if anything, when they start out in sourcing to make their life easier?
2: So definitely have, um, even if it's just an Excel spreadsheet to start, even though there's a lot of software you can use online that's free, definitely something that tracks what you're doing um just because of one following up on deals that you've had rejected or fallen through that that's such a powerful process to just nail from the beginning but just from your own records as well to track well how many offers have you put in that have been rejected and then you can hit a certain point in there it's kind of a trigger point to say actually you know if I've had this many rejected am I doing something wrong are my n- my numbers too far off so I think having something to track is a definite mess to set up
1: yeah uh, mailchimp
2: Yeah, for building a mailing list. MailChimp
1: for building a mailing list. That's very important. It's very good. I mean, sometimes, like, for example, when it was really, really difficult to find deals, um, which was a a couple of months ago, um, straight after the lockdown, everyone was just having a frenzy at the market. Um, There were certain people that wanted to plant their money into property and they were happy to take a lower return on investment. So we did things like on our mailing list, we'd send out a survey to people, what return on investment are you looking for? And a lot of people would say, after all costs, I'm looking for 15%. So we were like, right, we can find those deals. So it's just things like that. The, the MailChimp is very, very good at that as well. Um, the other things I would say to, to set up is the compliance. Obviously, yeah. make sure you're fully compliant. So anti-money laundering, um, ICO, um, you know, this property, property registry and professional indemnity insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, definitely get compliant. And I would also say definitely set up on social media
0: now really good points i love the survey you did because i think it's easy for sources to think well i'd only buy a brr with a 50% roast so Mm -hmm. that means everyone else is gonna but until you ask that question Mm -hmm. i mean 15% uh, that's you know that's way easier to find than 50 60 so it makes your life a lot easier you Mm -hmm. understand that's not a bad thing but it makes you understand what your customers want so that's a really good point there um social media will talk about but let's 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 go back from the tips to your journey so after you sourced that first deal and that was an experience should we say what happened next how did you grow how did you progress
2: i think we took a step back and tried to look at it to find out why we found that deal so challenging to work out what we need to focus on next and was this something we did wrong was this something we could reach out to and we did I think you you two spoke a lot I think there was other people we reached out to and um, we did a lot more research into areas we worked out what we could achieve and what we couldn't so we knew expectations to set going forward Um, we got to know the market we understood BRRs better so yeah we that you made know, it a bit easier it was
1: figuring out what the demand was as well mm-hmm. so like we kinda said at the beginning we sort of um, had a criteria from an investor and we went to that exact criteria and it was very, very niche sort of criteria and it was difficult. So we were like, right, there must be an easier way of doing this. Look, we were like, what's everyone after? We saw you, we saw other people doing what they're doing and we saw, right, BRRs is a very popular thing. We need to get onto the BRRs and we need to hit a certain return on investment. And if we hit that certain return on investment, we know an investor will buy that. So then we went out looking for that and all we did was just flood offers, 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 And then, and then pretty much from there, we just had a, we're building agent relationships and it just sort of flowed from there, didn't Mm -hmm. it? And, um, after the, after we built those relationships, that's when it really started picking up for us.
0: And I mean, how long do you think it took you to kind of build agent relationships to the point where it makes your life easier in the sense that they're coming to you with deals or they're kind of saying, look, here's the number you need to offer. How long do you think it took Mm -hmm. to get to that kind of nice stage? Some agents
1: very quickly, because mm-hmm. you've got on with them, other agents, hard to crack. Yeah. Some of them we've only just cracked, and that's through actually buying the deals. Yeah. So, you know, following through with our word, which, you know, could have taken two or three deals, and now they're like, right, these guys are serious, mm-hmm. and they're buying properties from us. Now, they pick up the phone, and they don't just go, me, 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 on the phone. <laughs> they pick up the phone and go, hello, how are you? It's good to see- listen to you.
2: <laughs> or they phone to say, this sale has just fallen through, the vendor wants this
0: you want it (laughs) that that is a very powerful phone call even if you can't match the offer the fact that you're being called and you're being told exactly what you need to offer i mean that Mm. is that's fantastic but like you said it takes time um and yeah some agents are just you know you have to show them the metaphorical brown bag you have to pay them their commission essentially Mm. for them to say all right those two yeah they they got money they're good for it yeah yeah and it's like, yeah, I'll just spend hundred grand on a house just to prove to you that I'm good for it. Yeah, yeah sure, <laughs> no big deal. Um,
2: it's because they're so used to just people going in clearly, walking in, of course. Oh, hi, I'm so and so. I'm a sorcerer. I want to buy a hundred properties. I want them all below market value. Yeah. I want this, this, and this. And then they don't ever buy a deal, and they they're never seen again. So yeah, I think for a lot of agents, especially in South Wales, if they hear the word sorcerer, they're like, ah, oh, okay, yeah, another one. That's
1: a big one. Completely leave your ego back at the house. Mm-hmm. Like honestly, like you walk into that, you walk into the estate agents, or you walk into that viewing, and you go, "Can you help me? You want to, you want them to help you. You want to, you want to say to Look, 'Look, I'm looking for deals. This is what I'm looking for. Please, can you help me?'"
2: And it, there's a flip side to that as well. Is, is there any way I can help you? Have you got any deals where you've been struggling to sell, yeah. Why have you been struggling to sell? Oh, it's got a crack. I'll buy with a crack. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. Let's take a look. A
1: lot of the time, I, I ring up an agent, like the agents that we have built relationships with, and I just give them a call and I just say. Is there anything that's fallen through recently? I know that obviously a lot of deals are falling through. Um, can, can we help you? And then they're like, yeah, we've got two that's fallen through today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come and
0: have a look at them. <laughs> I mean, it's asking that right question, isn't it? Because even if you say, oh, have you got any deals or projects? They might say no. But the second you just say that trigger word, they're like, mm-hmm. oh, actually, yeah, something's happening. Um, yeah. Do you find that a lot of your deals have come from agents or off-market? Or, or like What's the mix? And what's been... Like, for, for sources who are listening, what's been the most fruitful for you? I would
1: say agents, 100%. 100%. Um, eight, not 100% come through agents, mm-hmm. but 100% agents is the best. Um, I'd say about 80% have come through agents, whether it's off-market or on-market. Um, and I'd say about 20... I'd say about 10% come from direct to vendor Mm -hmm. strategies and another 10% come from word of mouth. Word of mouth. Tell me, talk to me about that. That's interesting. So there's uh, there's some, a, there's some people obviously investors that we know um, in South Wales and also agents that we know um, and the agent won't be acting particularly on that deal, but they'll know someone who's looking to sell it. So they'll go, Oh, we know someone who invests in that. Or there'll be an investor who has heard about a deal and they'll just pass it over to us.
2: the one we found the other week um our builders it was weird His the builder's mem's friend was wanting to sell a house, hadn't listed it online, happened to tell the mum, who happened to tell our builder who went, "I know who'll buy it <laughs> <laughs> and then it, there was one that came through our oh, there's
1: so many so many different ways it's come it's come through through just word of mouth just through basically just putting it out there what we do we buy houses, we put it on all our bandit boards all around mm. the valleys. Um, and just the word gets around and someone would just message you go, message us going, Oh, you, you buy houses, don't you? And you're like, Yeah. Oh, my mum's sister's brother's, uh, cousins yeah. selling a house.
2: <laughs> but agents are definitely, well, I think people try to move away from agents a lot, but you, people need to realize that agents still hold the majority of the market. 95%. You'd be silly not to be focusing on your agent relationships.
0: Hmm. and you know, as you were growing, and you, know, I love that you went back to the drawing board. You analysed things. You looked at your area, looked at your deals. I remember the voice notes from George. Uh, hey, Tej, what do you think about this area? Uh, hey, Tedge, uh, what do you think about it? And I'd be like, shithole don't go there <laughs> or I'd be like, oh, yeah it's all right that area is all right yeah that was right and actually you know you have houses in really nice areas um which is good you don't buy in shitholes like me so it's good um <laughs> so i love that you went back to the drawing board and kind of analyze things it's too easy to get caught in that oh we sold a deal let's just sell yeah. another let's sell another three when you don't have a clue where you're buying and what's going on well, there's certain areas that we wouldn't touch um mm-hmm. It's important for us to know that when we you know, especially when you're selling a deal. So during this time, how did you like so obviously the the deals came from the agents, came from word of mouth, but how did you scale the other side, which is those willing investors, to buy these deals off you? Social media.
2: Yeah, social media was a massive thing, um initially to get those investors and then you'll have seen on social media again, leveraging social media, where we'll then post investors' testimonials, um, so being able to showcase, and I think a lot, it, it all does come down to social media, being able to document the journey, yeah. what we're doing, what the finished product looked like, Yeah, it, it sh- being on social media to explain that we know what we're on about, so we'll be doing video tours and saying exactly why we're doing it and what we're doing. And so I think that gives people confidence.
1: Definitely. And I think it's just so powerful having the Instagram story because so many people go on that and see what you're doing. And if you document what you do every single day and you get yourself on that camera, and you go, right, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing. There were so many people that watched us right from the beginning. And it was only until four months later after watching us, they'd go, oh, you've put a deal out. I like that. Let's, let's take that on. Um, we'll
2: even get that now. We'll yeah. we even still get messages from people going, I've been watching you for a while. I'd like to work with you yeah so there's always those people who are watching yeah and it, they'll come out
1: yeah you, you, they, they could have been watching you for now you know six months and you, you didn't have any idea mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're like you put a deal out on the mailing list and they're on the mailing list and they're like oh i want to take that one on i'm like
0: yeah. oh hello gary who are you <laughs> <laughs> no that's that's such a good point it's the same thing for angel investors you know they'll watch they'll watch they'll watch because i guess we'd do the same thing right we'd want to mm. make sure hmm, these new guards, are they selling the right deals? Are they got dodgy builders? What's going on? You know what I mean? Like, And I think it, it's kind of like the underestimated or maybe unspoken part of social media, the stalking mm. that it takes for someone to then, you know, the seven touch points of a sale thing, right? Like they've yeah. had probably 20 touch points with you, but you haven't had a single clue that you've been having it because you've had yeah. it with 200 people or so over that time. And that's powerful because I know you're doing viewings and stuff, George, and you're you're videoing that, but you could build a brand. I could build a brand from this very chair without moving of, yeah. of, of something. Mm-hmm. And it's super powerful. So like when you started out, was it daunting? Were you kind of scared about like doing videos and putting yourself oh, out there? Oh
2: my goodness, you were awful.
1: Uh, honestly, Ted, you can probably remember back to when um, we did that video right at the beginning.
0: Oh, total trash. Yeah. Honestly. Oh God. Do you, do you remember when we were at the Village Hotel
1: and I didn't even oh, want to, I didn't, I didn't even want to start filming though, because I was too nervous. And there was not, it wasn't even live. There was, there was nothing going on. And I was like, I don't want this to start. The I one, remember. the
2: one I remember more than anything though, and this is like ridiculous. We would just leave in George's dad's house at London to drive home. So what's that? Three hour drive? Mm. We, Georgia was driving. I was in the passenger seat and Georgia said, Oh, I've got a topic for you to do a video on. Can you record yourself doing this? It's only supposed to be an Instagram so, um, Instagram post. So we were looking at no more than one minute. We'd got to Membry, and I still hadn't done it. I must have done about 100 stop, start, stop, start, to the point we were like screaming at each other. Then from like Lee Dalame, or whichever way around it is, the rest of the journey home, we didn't speak. We didn't have the radio on. We sat in silence. And then I got in the house Poor and George. I was like, <laughs> we got in the house and I was like, right, I'm going to the room. Don't come near the room. Just let me do it in my own time. And I think it took me like another 45 minutes. And then we finally had this 30 second clip to post. It was yeah. shocking.
0: Yeah. And what, <laughs> What was it you just weren't happy with how, it, how you came across?
1: I, I think for me at the beginning, because, you know, I'm not very good with things like that anyway. Like my anxiety was really bad at the beginning of my property journey and it's, it's definitely developed. But I was just nervous that even me saying um, in, my, in between my sentences, I didn't want to upload a video if I did that. Um, and I always wanted everything to be perfect. Mm. And I've learned over time, no one cares. Just be yeah. yourself. If you erm um and you arm um and you um, it doesn't matter. Just video it and just pretend you're live and nothing can stop. And You can't stop it. And you just go with it and you just video whatever you say and it just comes yeah, on. Yeah,
2: and I tried to make it too structured. So I tried to just have all these words nailed so I knew what I was saying. Well, one, it doesn't come across natural. And but two, because you then try to practice something so many times over... I just kept becoming tongue-tied and instead of then just carrying on I'd stop each time so yeah that was a bit of a lesson and now we just yeah I think the lesson
1: is is just keep doing it just keep practicing keep getting yourself in the camera and before you know
0: it it just second nature yeah it does and you know especially with videos like it doesn't come easily it's a bit like public speaking I mean some people find Mm. like some people are incredible public speakers but they're like I can't do a video and even even though it's a similar thing it, it can be very different and with the ums and ahs you know you look at i don't know professionals who do this or you know people who are influential whatever and they don't say i'm an r but that's because they've done you know 150 of these videos already before you even got in the industry they were practicing videos and it's easy to see that end result and say oh why am i doing this why am i doing that you know it's like it's, it anything you see the bentley right but you don't see the heartache and tears and blood and sweat that goes into the bentley so you know that's how i kind of see it now with social media what are your top tips? Um, not just for sources, but for you know anyone who wants to kind of do what you've done, which is grow a business and be you know recognised. What are some tips that you can share?
1: I would say get yourself on as many social media channels as you possibly can because they all have their benefits. So, for example, Twitter's—I'm not on Twitter, so I can't really say this—but it's very good for like PR. Um Instagram's very good for documenting your journey, being on Instagram. I think you're very good at that, Ted. You're literally on the camera every single day. Wow,
0: um, Someone's got to see this face, you know what I mean? I can't keep <laughs> this away from the people.
1: <laughs> um and you know, people people would rather see that though. People would rather see you speaking to a camera rather than just little, you know, pictures of things and pictures of stuff. So um yeah, definitely. Um and you know, content creation on Instagram as well. Um I'd also say Facebook's very good for building a community. Um, and building like people that can help you um, and building contacts, which is really good and LinkedIn is very good for sales so I'd say definitely get yourself on all different forms of social media um, YouTube as well are very good for you know creating sort of like a library of your journey um, so then I would also say, yeah Instagram is very powerful the story I've already mentioned this, but it's very powerful the way you get your face on there showing your personality, getting your personality across because at the end of the day people buy from people so I'd definitely say that's a top tip. Um, and I would just say, engage every single day, just be comment on people's posts, just engage with people, just do what you would do if you were in a room networking, but on a bigger scale, because there's more people. Um, so that's what I would say in regards to social media. I think that's
2: a key point though, isn't it? I think a lot of people who are looking to build a brand focus very much on getting their posts out and getting that all right. But The big element of it is actually speaking with others and and engaging with others. It's all, unless someone's following you, they're not going to see your post. So it's all well and good making sure you've posted every day, but actually getting your name out there is by commenting and speaking with others. And the more
1: you comment and the more they comment back on you and they'll see your posts more. And it's just, it just flows. It's just the algorithm goes then. But another thing I would say as well is what you do very well as well, Ted, and a lot of others do it as well is, is the, is the constant color theme and the same consistent Consistent. color Mm. it's you know it adds so much to the professionalism and the um and the recognize it's not that's not a word is it and being recognizable um so so yeah i definitely say keep a consistent color so for example your display picture can be one color same as your stories and all keep the same consistent color and theme throughout all your posts
0: Mm. and i think it you know i go to the level where i keep almost the same fonts the same sizes like having a brand guideline right that you just Mm -hmm. know if we're posting this this is how it's going to look this is why we're going to be recognized people won't you know oh that's Calibri font but they'll just know when it comes to the do guards oh it's that font it's you know our minds Mm -hmm. remember that you do something different one time people you know it it kind of changes the system a little bit now social media especially if you're on a lot of platforms George is obviously so time-consuming especially content creation and also engaging with others because you don't want to just say oh my god fire emojis you want to kind yeah. of say like hey i love that door handle where's it from Blah blah, blah. Yeah. how do you balance that dealing with investors dealing with builders mm. uh, how, wh- wh- how yeah um it's it, it's not the easiest
1: what i do with social media is i do it usually in downtime and i do it in time where it It's time that needs to be killed. So say, for example, I'm standing in a queue for something at a shop. What else Mm. am I going to do there? Like, comment, engage. Um, So there's things like that. Say, for example, I've just worked on a really hard deal and I've finally got it sold and I just want to break for half an hour. Um, I'll just, you know, it's not difficult to go on social media. It's actually quite fun for me. I quite enjoy it. So then I'll, I'll engage with people. I'll comment on things. I'll like things because I actually like learning from from other people's uh, social media posts as well. So that's pretty much the time that I would say I do. He's it. in
2: a routine now, Ted. I'll be completely, <laughs> I'll completely, be completely open with you. So his morning routine. After he's woke up and I'm already on the laptop. I wasn't going to say this. Yeah, well, I'm already on the laptop. <laughs> George has his little, he comes around in bed with his cup of tea, and he does a bit on the phone, starts like on his social media. The next part of George's hard day is he then moves himself over into a bath and he has a nice long bath, replying to all his messages. So that's how he starts his day. And then it hits like 10 o'clock and he's like, right, I actually need to crack on now. And then at the end of the day, he'll be lying in bed and then he'll do like another, another tackle through messages.
0: I like this. I mean, you're selling the dream right now. Be a deal sorcerer and you can have a bath till 10am. I mean... Yeah, but I'm well. the one
2: who's been like sweating out in the office, like on the verge of tears because so I can see the emails coming in. I think yeah, things but, need to be addressed. Yeah, and George but, is like, hey, yeah, let's have a call.
0: <laughs> yeah, in a couple of days. Don't worry about it, dude. I'll call you in the bath. Yeah, no worries. You can wait. You know what though? I love that because you know we can do that as much as we're hustling and we're not in a stage necessarily where it's like oh yeah we can just sit back i'm sure we can but we don't want to but we can do that and things Mm. will kind of be okay um i mean there's two of you so maybe that balances it but i bake bread sometimes on a monday and then 11 a.m i'm like right while it's cooling time to do some work (laughs) it's like i can do that and My investors aren't like, oh, excuse me, is rice (laughs) bread more important than my investment? (laughs) They're just like, you know, I get like what you're doing. And that's the beauty of being self-employed. One of the small beauties between the millions and millions of challenges um, that we face. So, uh, you know, speaking of challenges, talk to me about some of the difficulties and challenges you've faced on your experience and I guess primarily being sources as well.
2: Which ones do you want to choose? i you guys go. <laughs> Sorry, me. Um, I think that we touched upon it earlier. I think just from a sourcing perspective, a massive challenge is setting investors' expectations. There's a lot of, at the very beginning, when someone would sign up to the mailing list, I would have a phone call with every person who signed up. Um, and it was more for us at the very beginning just to make sure that we were vetting our investors. And I didn't want to get carried away being like, oh, great, we've got this amount of investors on our main list. I wanted to make sure we'd spoken to them. So actually it's, oh, we have this many on our inv- investors list, but this is how many we'll buy because that's the more important number. So I had all these phone calls and that's when I realized that, yeah, people get, and it goes back again to what courses um, show and what videos show, the people would be having phone calls and they'd be like, oh, I've got 50 grand and i want a brr deal i want all my money out including the bridging cost including your sourcing fee and i want to in this area within one mile of a supermarket and this and i was just like oh my goodness like that no like we can't help you with that if we were to ever even find a deal like that that would be ours mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it's more that, that set setting expectations that we just you don't find deals like that i mean we're sources we're not magicians <laughs> so i think that's that, that's a huge challenge that we still even face now yeah.
1: I'd say a big challenge for me is trying to handle time mm. um because I'm, because you're in the bath till 10am every day Hannah <laughs> <laughs> is <it> exaggerating <laughs> by the way <laughs> um because say for example I usually book viewings from about 10 mm. I'm usually not in the bath till 10 Hannah's like um I'm <laughs> until, until, until nine but, but, um, but yeah from from viewings from about 10 and then you know some days I'll block that out until five o'clock and the problem is, is during that time, because I'm doing viewings, and I'm literally in and out of driving in mm. the rain. You know, there's just so many, you know, there's no toilets because they're BRR projects. Oh, yeah. Um, and, You know, trying to grab food in between things while investors are calling me. It's just, it's just time. Like, it's really, really difficult because I'll, I have so many messages and so many calls that I need to get back to, but I can't because I'm jumping from viewing mm. to viewing to viewing. So that's definitely challenging. And then on top of that, all day long, you're just getting, Sorry, your offer has not been accepted. Yeah, uh, sorry, rejection. your sorry, your offer has not been accepted. It's like, <clears throat> <clears throat> um, so that's really frustrating. Like?
0: <laughs>
1: <clears throat> but yeah, that's that's really frustrating. But refurbs are very frustrating as well. Oh, yeah. So I'll tell you about a little example today. Actually, um, our a damp proof has gone in, mm. um, put on the the you know the render work, and it's supposed to be level to the to the plaster the existing plaster work that's there. Um, and the um, the plaster has come in and put his level on it and said, "I'm not plastering over that." Um, you know, if, if if I need to make that level, I need to bond the top level to make it level with the uh, the render below and that's going to cost more. And it's like, I'm going to have to relay this to the investor. But now we've just spoke to the damp proofer to get him back in tomorrow and we're going to have to have a chat with him. So just all these different problems and different trades mm. not getting on with each other. I,
2: yeah, I think a massive challenge is as well. That we're not just sources, we're investors ourselves. Mm. So we want to make sure that we're getting more deals so we can generate more revenue to help more clients, but we want to make sure we're giving them all a good service. We want to make sure that we're then still buying deals ourselves, be growing our portfolio, which is our goals. But you find yourself, especially when you have so many refibs on, and you know this more than anyone, Tej, the more refibs are on, the more problems are likely that you're going to then need to to handle or the more phone calls you're going to have to discuss something to make a decision. Mm. And you can so easily get caught up in, yeah, you've got all these deals but you're not then getting any more because you feel like you're just focusing on backwards stuff, making sure these ones are moving along. And that can get quite frustrating, can't it? Mm-hmm.
0: I think, yeah, I think at one point I had like five refabs on at one point, And like it's difficult enough having to understand and relay the information to my brain from my ears. I can't even imagine then having to call up an investor who potentially does not understand it like we do or has no idea and say, yeah listen we need like 400 quid more because of mm-hmm. this and then having to deal with what you or just the response it's just like another layer and another yeah. layer of like sanity destroying it's like having a cheese grater on your brain sometimes like just dealing <laughs> yeah. with humans in general especially builders. <laughs> um so do you both personally project manage the deals you work on do you have a pm who helps as well how does it work
2: no it's us it's us um well, praying we're in for a you. State- i am
0: praying for you
2: we're at a stage in the business now where we are looking at expanding the team what roles we need a project manager coming in is going to be one of those roles that we're Mm. looking for but we're gonna we're very careful of how we act and how we run our projects i think there's a bit of not being controlling but and not being perfectionists either but we don't want to let all of a sudden we've done these really good refurbs everything's been going really well handing that bit over which is so crucial as a sourcer getting those builds right that being able to hand them over but that is a role that we we are going to need um we do quite enjoy it though it is
1: it is, quite, it is enjoyable bringing like you know a horrible looking property mm. like we, we created a valuation pack today because we've got a valuation tomorrow and just looking back at those um <laughs> before photos and just thinking wow like so this is re- we've really transformed this yeah. place and you know we've, we've created a, a really great home for some tenants so so yeah it is it is enjoyable but it is stressful but the, the rewards at the end are, are, you know are, are nice
0: yeah i think it, for me that's the best part when you see the absolute shithole and you know we mm-hmm. bought some absolute shitholes they're great deals and then at the end you're just like wow like what this is unrecognizable from what we purchased Mm-hmm. And it's going to make a wonderful home for someone. I think, you know what? I, for me personally, though, it's been it's changed. Like refurb's lately, especially. I've taken such minimal joy out of the final product. It's been more relief because of how tricky they've been. But when they're managed mm-hmm. right, like you're doing, it is joy seeing that and being like, like when I saw um the project we visited, which is on my YouTube channel at the moment, I saw the pro shots. I was just like, whoa. I mean, it was kind of getting there when I saw it, but it was mm-hmm. like, damn. Like, what a transformation. Um, And I think that's really special. And that's something that maybe not a lot of careers or jobs offer. Um, Mm -hmm. So people know how active you've been. Uh, How long have you both been deal sourcing for?
2: Since June 2019. Yeah, that's
0: when we opened the company. But my first deal was done in... September. September, yeah. And how many deals have you sourced so far? I think... After last week, where we went on oh, we we a kind of frenzy. Last two weeks. I think it's probably close to fifty now. So, sorry, say that again. Close to fifty. That five zero. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
0: In how many months? Do the maths for me because I'm I'm getting confused. One month.
2: We in. So yeah, there'll be if we, uh, if the first deal was landed months. last September, thirteen months.
0: Y'all are crazy.
2: That's <laughs> So, the caveat on that. Some of them, we, some of them, we've co-sourced. Some of them, the investors have wanted to project manage themselves. So there is a bit of a balance there. Yeah, yeah, we
0: haven't done we have not done fifty refurbs, let's no. put it that way. <laughs> I was gonna say have you done fifty refurbs I mean no, you I've both look way too young to be doing fifty like you, <laughs> you'd have aged a lot by now. Uh, I, mean... I think we've I think we've probably done about twenty five refurbs. Yeah,
2: probably about yeah. half of it. That's still Some like... of them have been some of them have been turnky as well.
0: I mean, wow. Like, honestly, I actually didn't know it was that many. Like, I, I didn't. Uh, wow. I mean, kudos to you because deal sourcing is hard. Um, mm. Every aspect of it is hard. You're not even doing it for yourself. And I think for me, maybe I'm a bit of a git, but I'd be like, oh, it's not for my property. Like, oh, why am I doing <laughs> this shit? You know what I mean? But you are c- going through that whilst obviously buying for yourself as well whilst yeah. buying your own residential properties and, and now another one or moving into one, like yeah. you were doing so much, um, you know, well done to you. Like honestly, seriously, because from when we first spoke and George was like, what does BTL stand for? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. He may have said that, but I don't think he did. It's like, honestly, like personally, it's amazing to see that journey and you've done it on social media. So mm-hmm. everyone can see it. Does it, is it easier working with, because if people don't know, you are life partners, if that's the mature word for it, um, <laughs> as well as business partners. How is it working with your life partner? Is it everything you thought it would be and more? I'm really keen to hear Hannah's thoughts on this as well.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Um, it, I think, so obviously when you work with someone in a normal environment, um, if they doing your head in if they're not doing something you want them to do you either grit your teeth or you have a bit of a huff and a puff but that's kind of where it goes because you obviously stay professional in the working environment when it's your partner you can scream at them you can (laughs) kick off you can have tantrums put um, hand
0: sanitizer on open wounds
2: You can torture them, (laughs) and that works in two ways, though. There's there's a pro and a con to it. It's a con because obviously that can then sometimes ripple into your actual, like, personal life. Because we're pretty good at business, is business, and we can be as stressed as hell in business. We will shout and we'll have tantrums, but when we go, you know what, we've had enough today, and we're going to sit down and watch TV there's a switch mm. um but sometimes it can over but then there's also that benefit of being able to just be so direct with each other and shout at each other because quicker. you just get things done quicker whereas mm. as i yeah. said in an office you'd normally just kind of put up with someone so it just move things along it's fun though because it means we get um experience the highs together mm. and in property, there are so many low points oh, and i think so this many. is the thing that so many people overlook property is the biggest roller coaster you can be on because of <sighs> I mean, even for us, one week we might have five deals in the pipeline. We've had an offer accepted on something else. We're on a high. Everything's amazing. And then we'll come to the following week. Our offers on those five properties have all been declined. Something's just gone wrong on a refurb. Something else has gone wrong elsewhere. And then yeah. straight back. I always, I don't think there's a middle ground with yeah. property. You you're low. Yeah,
1: literally. It's just up and down, isn't it? Like, as you said, one week you've literally got three offers accepted. And then the next week you get um a call from the agent saying sorry there's someone gone in higher now yeah i thought our offer was accepted
2: <laughs> yeah we had that the nightmare. so it's, i think yeah, it's yeah. good in that sense as well so i think if anyone's going into business with their partner you need to make sure there's clear roles um because of that. Made, we found that very difficult to begin with because of we were just trying to do any tasks that needed to be done we were overlapping with each other we were doing things that neither of us liked when when we wrote down then what my strengths are what george's strengths are well luckily our our strengths and weaknesses complement each other but when we decided like this is what i'm good at this is what i can do and this is what you can do it just made us both more productive and it just made it a lot easier didn't it
0: i think yeah i mean when when we did a viewing together a few weeks ago hannah you sat in the car and george got out (laughs) and i was like I was like, did he do something wrong? Is he is he being kicked out of the car? And and you were like, No, I'm I'm doing I'm doing other stuff. He does the viewings, I don't do viewings. <laughs> do you think do you think Hannah goes in these dirty houses? I was like, Right, cool. So me and George masked up and then went in this weird house. But um that was interesting because like I don't know, I guess a lot of people would go in together, but there's no need, like, whatsoever. You can no. do so much in fifteen minutes on your phone. Whilst George is doing something that he enjoys more and and is his strength, so I think that's a good point for any JV or any type of mm-hmm. joint relationship of any type is, you know, split your roles um, with Definitely. your strengths and weaknesses. Now, as well as being sources, you also invest yourselves. Yes. Yep. So, what's going on with that deal? Has it, well, I can't remember the last time we spoke about it.
2: Good value today. Fingers yeah,
0: crossed. He got value today, and the value was a very nice person as well. Yeah, so, so I'm
2: hoping he doesn't sting at the
0: back. <laughs> you know what? Not not to not to be a Debbie Downer or anything, but I've met so many. They're so nice. Oh, what value do you want? Oh, yeah. one, two, five. No problem. You go home. 90k. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought we were mate I thought we were boys. Like so. <laughs> that's just a bit of advice for people listening: is that don't yeah. ever yeah, ever listen to them. I know you don't as well. Until it's on that piece of paper. Yeah, because, yeah, you know, they're going to go home and be like, nah, dude, God, they so think they're fancy. Fucking Here we go. But, <laughs> um, you know, I'm sure it will go absolutely fantastic because I know you buy in a good area, George, a secret area, which you revealed on our YouTube. Video. I know,
2: what's it like? Yeah, what is it
0: like? <laughs> so deal sourcing, Um, if you were to go back to the beginning when you, you know, first go into property, would you still choose deal sourcing?
1: i know hannah probably wouldn't um Ooh, i do support um i to be honest with you i've i've enjoyed the journey we've learned so much and we've built some absolutely great relationships and i think it's given us a good you know way into the market mm. um and you know we've showcased a lot of a lot of properties and a lot of deals through um through helping people from literally a to z mm. um and i think I think it was a really good way to get into the market with very little money as well
2: no i think I think I would you know only because um when looking back now, so we've got a lot of investors at the moment who want to work with us in terms of the private investment side, and we're looking at deals that we would never have looked at before. I mean we've grown off on one today, and I just think like we would never have even looked at it a year ago, no. and to think now we can look at these numbers and just go, oh, we can raise that, that's not a problem." That has come from sourcing because we've been able to show what we can achieve, what we can do, yeah. that we're open, that we're honest. You know, the, the first private investor we had, we've not met him. He literally cropped up and was like, Oh, I've been watching you for a while, I've seen you want some money, I can give you this if you want that. Hasn't yeah. seen a project, hasn't asked for updates text us last week saying go any more deals i can give you money for all like what a yeah. dream
0: i
1: know literally the other day we, we just literally sent him a deal and he was like thumbs i was up. like i was like this is the money we
0: need and he just put a thumbs up it was like <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> he can't even be bothered he's like take my money just give me re- give me the return see you in 12 months i think yeah and that, and that was on social media right yeah. yeah yeah and and okay so how much money has he got he or she got available to give you so i can do an example here Oh, hundreds of thousands mm. um, he was a lucky he's, one, he's literally just like i'll be investor for life and you know <laughs> yeah. pretty much what you want you can have it <laughs> i mean and um, that's come from your hard work on social media that's come from your hard work on the streets like that is pure hustle um <laughs> and you know what just going back to the number of properties sourced 50 properties sourced i know some were mixtures some were other stuff but mm-hmm. how many viewings do you think you've done to then source that many or how many viewings per deal accepted roughly i want people to know what it's like i would say
1: at the beginning it was about 30 wow 30 or 40 yeah yeah. but now it's probably about five viewings to get one accepted Mm. and the reason being Mm. is because we go for quality now we make sure that that viewing is a is a property that we think we'll get accepted um, and it's also, we do we do all the due diligence before we've even gone on that viewing because we don't want to waste our time driving an hour or half an hour. So we almost turn up to the viewing.
2: Knowing we're gonna offer. going
1: to offer. Knowing mm-hmm. we're going to offer and then walk out the door and
2: offer. Yes. Um, I, th- I think <clears> at the <throat> very beginning it was, oh, there's a property. Oh, we must view that. Oh, we want to build a relationship. So we must view that. We must view with them. And it's like, well, no. Yeah, you need to get your viewings in and you want to meet the agents, but don't piss about and be time wasters. So now we only view what we know we'll offer on. And going back to ageing relationships earlier. We'll we'll have phone calls to say something's falling through, or we'll be given a heads up about something. Or we'll get something off market, and they're the ones you pretty much like nine times out of ten you're going to get your offers accepted on. So we're in, now we're in a much more fortunate position. But before, oh my goodness, it took well, so many. We were viewings. learning the
1: areas as well, weren't mm-hmm. we? So you'd book, you know, thirty viewings, but ten of them you wouldn't like the areas, or you yeah. wouldn't like something about it. So now we know streets. We even know streets now. So we mm-hmm. know, oh, I don't want to buy on that street. It's got loads of sandbags out the front, and it's had flooding recently. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's things like that. But now we know not to go to them so we can only view ones that we know we're going to offer on
0: yeah yeah that's a really good point and I started the exact same you do loads of viewings and then you know I think you get to a point sometimes where you see I don't know if it's the same with you but you see the listing you see the agent's name you see the front of the house <clears throat> and you see the price and you kind of know straight away this is just it's not going to work it's just mm-hmm. it's in that awkward place where it's an old person's house but it's so well looked after it's not a shithole you just it's it's that awkward middle that like you see so much and you just know i'm not even going to click on that link i just know that agent that price forget about it It ain't ain't gonna happen um and that's cool because you've saved like you know you've spent 30 seconds on it whereas at the start which you have to you're going to spend minutes and minutes Mm -hmm. and minutes so five to one is pretty freaking awesome um, and I think we could all be aiming for that kind of number at the start. Yeah, 30. I think they say it's like 50 offers to get one BR accepted is like the kind of industry standard. I don't know who set yeah. it, but that's what people say. Um, now, what have you got planned for the future then? We're in October. We're in some sort of lockdown. Y'all are about to be in some heavy lockdown for a few yeah. weeks. Yeah. Thanks so much for that, uh, Hannah. Um <laughs> And, you know, what have you got planned? Is sourcing going to be a part of the business for five years? Just tell me what's in the future for the Do Guards?
2: Yeah, it will be. We've worked so hard over the last year to get uh, the sourcing to where it is now that I think would be silly to walk away from it. Um, we want to make sure we systemize it, we scale it. We we do really want to expand do God property sourcing, especially because of where we want to ramp up our portfolio. It becomes our own sourcing machine that we can mm. kind of pick and choose deals from. So sourcing is definitely something we want to massively grow.
1: Yeah, grow in, ter- ter- in terms of different deal types and also and areas. different areas mm-hmm. as well. Yeah,
0: And um, um go on. Go on i are you are you hiring VAs or human assistants and stuff like that to help you out? What's happening there?
1: Yeah, so we've had we've 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 got a VA, but um we we went through a whole hiring process the other day and to be honest with you we had a bit of a nightmare because mm. um we did the first stage of our interviews. We had 160 applicants to begin with, and I think there was about what? Yeah. yeah. What was the what was the job title? Skill deal deal sourcer. Yeah. Um so we had that many applicants and only about ten I think it was 10 or 15 like were ones that we were like right we'll interview them yeah so we did all the interviews and we whittled it down to two people that we really really liked um one on the day before the second interview got another job um and was basically like I'm going for that job and we were like no we were really really keen to take her on and then the other one was um came on 10 minutes late to the uh, to the interview and then we asked her to present to us how what she can bring to our business and it was just a flop so <laughs> then
2: <laughs> now we're now we're at
1: a stage where we've basically advertised again to try and get more people and trying to find different avenues of advertising for more people but we're putting that on hold for now just Until because of new, lockdown yeah. and yeah because of lockdown and and stuff like that so um yeah we we want to employ staff as soon as possible and we were actually going to take on two because we loved them both and then they they both didn't end up yeah it was a
2: learning curve anyway wasn't it but yeah we've got we'll probably take on more va's um but only if they're as good as come on one because she's literally amazing and she's so bossy i love it <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then yeah we're gonna start to ramp up the uk employee base as well because of the, it's the same old thing, isn't it? If you want more houses, you need to do, you need to get more offers, get more offers, you need to do more viewings, and there's only so many we can do when it's two of us. Yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome. I think, yeah, I used to be a recruiter, so this 160 applications to 10 to 2 to none is just like my everyday. So, like, uh-huh. especially on Indeed, you just, some of the adverts, you're like, your CV is three lines, and oh it's my all God, misspelled. I know.
2: Like, why yeah. do people think that's okay? Like,
0: <laughs> uh, and when they misspell their own name, or like, you're just like, Nah, listen, God gave you that name and you're misspelling it. You're disrespectful. <laughs> disrespectful. Um, But yeah, hiring humans like in England and like in the, like physically is, on, it's so much easier to hire a VA. Like VAs are amazing. Like mm. I, I'm not ready for humans yet. Um, Amazing. I do got a property. If you could have, this is a question taken straight from Tim Ferriss. If you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, um, one, where would it be? And two, what would it say on it? I have a feeling I know what you're going to say. Anywhere in the world. Um...
2: Singapore, give us money.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i That is actually a very good one, to be fair. <laughs> with, with your professional photo at the bottom and the logo yeah, everything. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, we buy houses on the top of Heads of Alleys or something, but the, the Singapore one... That's fine. That makes sense. What is, if at all anything, the worst piece of advice you've ever been given?
2: Ooh. Oh, God, the dogs, imagine. Um, No, that wasn't
0: the advice. (laughs) (laughs) Some abstract Um, advice, yeah, if it was. That's a difficult one,
1: Tej. Um, You may
0: not have been given bad advice. I mean, I've basically mentored you anyway, so it's probably all good advice, isn't it? So it's fine. There would have definitely
2: been something along the way where we've got... I know there's been times where we've come off something and gone, what on earth was that? And we both laughed because we smiled and nodded. Yeah. I just can't pinpoint. There would have been... This bounds. would have been a few things.
0: Yeah. Tell me about the biggest three mistakes that you Ooh. have made as deal sources.
2: Oh, there's one that takes the cream. Yeah.
0: Do you
1: want us to tell it?
2: Yeah, so there's this one... Um, and to be honest, I will be completely honest, I genuinely think this is our only real mistake. There's nothing else that I can think we've done um, that I'd go, oh my God, we, we messed up there. Mm. But this one, and we have an investor that we've worked with multiple times and he wanted a turnkey um, property in Cardiff. So um, by turnkey, we, we were happy to spend up to five grand to do minor work to freshen up. So we had gone in um, to a property, it took all the boxes. I mean, there was furniture everywhere. If someone was living there, it was a home or occupier thing. So we had the offer accepted, all was happy. Um, he asked if we think he should do a home buyer survey. We had said, to be honest, we don't really take much from home buyers. If it was us, we wouldn't. We don't take our word for it. Do what you feels best. He took our word for it and didn't get a home buyer survey. And then um, George had gone and collected the keys on completion day, went in to start filming some social media stuff and phoned me on the verge of a breakdown because there was tidal waves all across the bottom floor where there was rising down. So listen to this now though, right? We'd had three different builders go in to up Works. The investor had gone in. And
1: asked it. to look out for the down. Yeah,
2: had invest- the investor go in himself with his family. I mean, the letting agent had been in there. The estate agent had been there. So many different people have been there. How on earth? Oh, it was clear because the furniture was in the way. So this just goes to show, like, move furniture about when you go to view a property. But, yeah, we-, we couldn't believe that that had been overlooked. And we just felt so guilty that we hadn't said, yes, get a get a survey, that we just sorted it. We phoned our good builder and said, look, you need to come and help us out, this is this is what's happened. He came in and did us the most insane price, got all that fixed. We'd obviously phoned our investor beforehand, just say, This has happened, don't worry, this is what we're doing, it's at no cost to you. We're gonna damp proof course and we're gonna plastered and painted. So it all worked out well. It wasn't a problem, it was just a I, bit of a I feel like it's sort tooth, of like, strengthened
1: oh our relationship now though, hasn't it, with him <laughs> through our you know, going back to him with a with a, a solution rather than a problem and sense. rectifying the situation. Um, but yeah, I'd say another one is never leave the builder to it. Oh, okay. um, no. So when you leave a builder to it and you just say, right, this is, you know, just get, do a kitchen, do a bathroom. They will do something you don't like. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a different opinion mm. on things and a different style. Um, so that's definitely one. Um, and another one is if you know going right back to the beginning biggest mistake is comparing yourself to others as well just focus focus on your own journey if you're going to start focusing on other people's, you're just going to be wasting energy that you could be focusing on yours and driving your your business forward so that's definitely the third one
0: i love it do guard property hannah and george thank you so much for coming on the teg talks podcast now if people want to follow your journey see what you're up to um, see all the knotweeding cracks that you that you love seeing george um <laughs> where should people go
1: um pretty much do property on everything so instagram do property um facebook and then uh, george dugard and hannah robson on facebook linkedin
2: yep
0: amazing thank you so much for coming on the podcast if you like this podcast
2: connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content